Hey, how's it going? Welcome to another season of Humans Aren't Robots. I'm your host, Sam Davies. And this season, in all transparency, was recorded approximately a year ago at South Start in 2021. I had some uh, fairly ambitious visions for the podcast. Um, we'd been running interviews for around four years uh, prior to 2021. And I really wanted to try and take things into a, a longer form. I'm, I'm obsessed with long form storytelling and I love it in the, the world of audio. How can we dive deeper into some of the, the topics that we've been thinking about over the last few years on Humans Aren't Robots? I'm really passionate about the future of business and the intersection of, of culture in business and the future of work and diversity in the workplace and how tech intersects with our lives. And you know, with these amazing minds that we had at South Start, I was going to record a whole series of conversations on different topics and then and weave together a narrative through that. Well, now a year later and everything's still sitting on the cutting room floor, uh, it didn't transpire as I had quite imagined. But what we've done is gone through and, and listened to these conversations and pulled out elements into some topics that are, that are close to my heart. And I think what we actually have is, uh, for me, the, the start of the future of where I want to take this. So South Start is again in a few weeks' time and we're excited, the 9th to the 11th of March here in Adelaide in South Australia. If you are anywhere where you can get on a plane and come to Adelaide for that week, I highly recommend it. It is such a energizing and eye-opening three days of ideas and conversations and inspiration for me so uh, i'll be there and we'll be we'll be recording the, the future season of humans aren't robots but for today we're actually going to dive into a topic that is very close to my heart the future of work there's some big been some big changes in my business digital noir over the last few months which shall be released soon but in that i've had a chance to look back over the last 10 years of what i've been doing and really notice that I'm quite interested in, I mean, this, this podcast is called Humans Aren't Robots. And a part of that is about, you know, how do we bring our humanity to work? We, we live in a world that was designed from a work and education perspective out of the industrial revolution 200 years ago. Um, we don't need to always do things the way they've been done. And COVID has obviously opened up our eyes to, to some of that. And, and we, we touch on COVID a lot in these conversations. However, it's interesting that now sitting in 2022, after another you know, full year of heavy COVID here in Australia, it did sound like we were sort of out of it um, in April last year. I'm interested in you know, not only people working remotely or changing our habits at work, but how do we really redesign what work means to us as humans? And as tech you know, plays a part in this and AI, et cetera, that, that's all gonna be a part of it. But I really think it's just a matter of, we don't always have to do things the way they've done just because that's the way they've been done. How do we close our eyes, dream a little bit and redesign the future? So in this conversation, I speak with six, seven amazing women, Emma Weston, Flavia Tadanardini, uh, Laura Kaplan, Julie Trell, Catherine Boychuk, Sarah Nolet, and Nicole Dyson. And uh, we kick off the conversation with Emma Weston, diving into some of the ideas around ag tech and how the future of work affects farming and work in general. Please enjoy. in law and then working in corporate and now in sort of more of the tech space but like what do you see as kind of a day-to-day -day looking like for you now and where do you see that going 
One of the things that I think I hold in common with a number of our customers is that the way work is evolving is quite kind of portfolio based now. We're all doing, you know, lots of different things and sometimes they're all strung together in one job or with one company, but increasingly they're actually moving across different companies, different, you know, it could be volunteering. It may not all be paid, but it's still work, right? It's work that needs to be done. I am increasingly thinking about how I structure my life as opposed to how I structure my work, if that makes sense. What are the things that I want to be doing and am I having impact on what I'm doing? I think that is whether you're talking about being a mum or being a CEO. I think we all hold that in common now. And that once again, I think came, got really, like there was a spotlight shone on that during COVID because all of a sudden like work and home and life just kind of got all meshed into one. And we started seeing people working from home instead of just living at home. And that has been a really good thing in my view. I think that my varied career from a paid work perspective is a real thing, but there's actually so much more that I've done outside of just my career as it sits in a LinkedIn profile or whatever it may be. Now everyone is starting to get to understand that about each other, that it's, it's not this kind of perfectly linear type journey that we go on yeah and that's a good thing because it makes us a little bit more forgiving as well i think <laughs> you think like it i mean COVID definitely has sort of shone the light on it hopefully there's some lasting changes from it like i mean the, the reason i started my own business in the first place was for freedom really from a time perspective right because being locked into a stressful nine to five job is you know it takes up a huge percentage of your mental space and just, yeah just time right like and commuting and especially we're quite lucky here in adelaide some people you know spending the bulk of their day thinking, working, potentially on things they're not that interested in, right? And then yes. coming home and having sort of time to eat and sleep. This idea of like, yeah, raising families or having side projects or just enjoying you know, your existence with work, being able to weave through that as opposed to being this sort of necessary evil to make money to spend time on a weekend. Yeah. So I think it's like, do we need to think about work weaving through it or is it just the way we live our lives and we, you know, obviously need to put food on the table and maybe go on a holiday or educate our children or whatever it may be, have access to medical care. It's kind of angelic about it all, yeah. but because it, it isn't that, but I think every everyone has their trials and tribulations and everyone is searching for some level of freedom within their lives. And so we can't really think about what job do I do next, I think creates boxed in thinking yeah. around work. And it's really around what kind of life do I want to lead? Mm. And how do I do that? And for some people, compartmentalize going to an office and getting paid for a certain amount of hours is actually the best expression sure. for them. Yep. But for a large and growing group of people, I don't <laughs> think that works anymore. For farmers, many people would look at farm farmers in particular and, and think, wow, wouldn't it be great living on the land and how bucolic? And you conveniently forget about drought and flood and mice recently. Like where there's mice, there's snakes and all those other things that come with having that deep connection with the, with the land. And also early starts and getting bogged in the tractor and all the, there's a lot of frustration that goes with living on the land that often doesn't come through to people in their, in their very kind of idyllic view of what it's like to be a farmer. It's, it's not just growing a really big veggie patch farms are often these days quite big businesses as well. So many farmers, in fact, I think do feel quite trapped now and they don't feel that they do have the freedom anymore. Mm. What we'd like to think we could do at AgriDigital is to give some of that back by, you know, taking away some of the back office stuff, making that easier, more automated. Digitization can kind of give power from that perspective. And do you think in that space that's created then by 
potentially leverage some of that time that was previously spent. You get caught up in the world of tech and a lot of buzzwords and a lot of design too, right? So thinking about agile methodologies or you know, human-centered yeah. design, and, and these are kind of concepts that are, are fairly obscure and not just in farming, in the business world, right? What does that mean? Yeah. The actual core sort of practical application of them is actually just relatively simple kind of things that we, we do when we're thinking about innovation or thinking about running a business. Let's just take a really simple example of like Scrum in, in Agile and, you know, getting like a daily stand-up. Okay. That feels a very techie thing these days, mm. but who hasn't really been in a situation where they've just had a very quick meeting about like, what are we going to do today? What are you focused on? You know, is there a, is there a blocker? Can I help with that? You know, th these are pretty normal things really we've just kind of given them names and yep. attributed meaning to them as you said mm. and kind of put it into what wrapped it up in a kind of a tech given it a kind of a tech ribbon on it i think farming what can be quite different about some areas of farming is that it can be very much a solo activity mm. and actually some of the innovation that's happened you know in agriculture has accentuated that because of machinery being able to do you know the jobs of humans. So humans aren't robots, but robots are, are, are there yeah. <laughs> um, in different forms or machineries there in different forms being managed by humans. And I think that has given a lot to the world, but it's also taken something away from the community. And now we need to work out how we have great communities whilst we still leverage all of the benefits of technology. And it's historic fear, I suppose, of the robots taking over, or stealing jobs or, you know, just changing. But it's that, it's that next narrative of Yes, you know, we can automate processes and, and there is technology that is going to potentially impact labor, but then what creatively, what can we, what can we do with that space that's created and create new jobs and create new industries? Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with taking jobs if they're going to be basically not paying anything anymore, right? Like yeah. who wants to be doing that job if it's not going to be giving you a living and an acceleration in, in you know, a living wage and an acceleration into your life? So who really wants to do that job? Mm. It would be the question that I would ask. I understand that there is transitional pain there, but sure. it does open up and society has solved for this. You know, I actually really do. I know it sounds very banal to say it, but I do think we've been solving for this on and on and on for eons, right? Sure. That something, a new pocket of possibility opens up and, and people migrate into that. So I don't think there is anything to be afraid of, but it does require organization. It does require thinking. It does require sometimes policy intervention mm. to ease a transitional pain. That's probably what I think the community wants to see more of okay. as well, to understand how do I navigate this and do I, am I expected to do it myself or is there a collective effort that I'm going to work with to navigate this? And does there need to be, like, I suppose there needs to be leadership and sort of vision, I suppose, then to sort of not only bridge that gap and that period where it is felt, but then, yeah, what does come next and what can we start thinking about next? Obviously, government plays a role, but all of us can step in as community leaders. I do think corporates and particularly tech companies who are spearheading a lot of this change have to play a role, you know, okay. and they have to not just sell product, but show leadership around what happens next. It's really interesting because I actually think that like, a lot of people talk about COVID changing things. It's changed in big corporate, like desk jobs. They're it's allowed work from home, right? That, that's cool. That's a bit And of you a, use Microsoft uh, yeah, Teams, Teams or whatever. That's a bit of a change. What needs to change or what I'd like to see is change is valuing people's freedom, right? Valuing people's time to say also that trust, trust. Yeah. Trust is a big one. Pre-COVID spoke with Steve Baxter in this tent. It would have been just pre-COVID and we talked about working from home and he's like, no, nah, I don't, I wouldn't let people work from home. I don't, I don't want to, like, I want to see them. I want to be standing over their shoulder. I want to know what they're doing on the clock 
that's about trust, I think. Like, I think that's for personally for me that shows it's a, a trust, fundamental. But you also need trust. to build a system around it. Yeah. So if uh, so, we have a special methodology of fleet in which everyone. Uh, so every quarter we meet, we do the quarterly planning. But it's so it's so simple, it's so clear. We have implemented since three years. It's an actually a startup MIT way of working that is very very cool. It is so well established in the company. At the end of the quarter, if you meet your KPIs and you three things, it's not number KPIs, it's the actions. Yeah. They all feed into the things. We got parties, you get presents, we celebrate. So incentivized. There is that amazing momentum of working that if it wasn't there, probably I wouldn't have, have trust, not in knowing them or their understanding of what was important. Yeah. When you run a tech startup, tech company, people get on focus very fast. Oh, I'm going to be really good to do that. You know, yeah, and yeah, if yeah. they're at home, they're like, I've been doing this for two weeks. And you're like, that doesn't help anyone. <laughs> you know? So I don't think it's a matter of trust because if you don't trust your employee, why, why are they there? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a matter of creating an environment in which they know what they have to do yep. and they're going to do it. What's your take on, like, obviously COVID's had somewhat of an impact around how people perceive work, yeah. like working from home, but like, what's your take on the future of work mm. as that kind of balance, I suppose, mm. right? Like in terms of what does a, is there a nine to five? What does, what does work look like to you in 10 years time? To me personally, I'm constantly wanting to detach from this idea of time is work and money and all yep. that sort of stuff. I just... I'm striving towards a world in my work is being me in whatever context that is and, and being able to add the value that I see that I can add and not feel like it's confined to a lane and a set of deliverables and, and a lot of stuff gets left on the table around what I can bring, but also where the messiness of the rest of life kind of doesn't always fit. That's a real challenge, especially for working parents. COVID has made a lot of things easier in that we are home, but then it's like, it's hard to stuff everybody back in the box and yeah. get the work done when you need to get it done. So to be able to move more freely with my time and experience is my ultimate. I think that can work for a lot of people. I don't think it works at scale with everyone. I think there's just different layers and some people don't work well like that either. They want the structure and they want yeah, the yeah, exactly. clock on, clock off aspect of work. I think we are also craving that the routine connections that we used to have in the office and there is the, the digital tools that we're using are sufficient to an extent, but then we still need those kind of real connection points to let everything explode. I think the challenge with the digital side of things is everyone is trying to keep things contained and clear and crisp and, and it doesn't allow for the ambiguity to creep back in. Of, what do you mean by that? Let's have a conversation around yeah. that. Let's go in that direction. We've got this agenda, we have these updates and we cannot stray because we have programmed our time to the nth degree. <laughs> Tone gets lost on Slack. Tone gets lost on Slack. Emojis, <laughs> yeah. you know, can get, um, then they lose their meaning too. <laughs> yeah, so, so many, so many. Giphy's, Giphy's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. You, you need to use Giphy though to, like, to, to actually. To bring the tone. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I'm not yelling right now. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. I know a lot of parents mm. who found the work from home thing horrible. Like yeah. it was really, it was stressful for them. Yes. But, but I think, in some corporate environments, the f having some flexibility has mm. been a, a nice change mm -hmm, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. But the real change is how do you allow someone to raise a family, whether it's the you know, male or female or anything yep. else in between, like yep. to spend that time yes. as a family unit, yep. but then also contribute to the workforce and do that in a kind of balanced way. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I changed jobs um, on maternity leave and I wouldn't have applied for the role at Startmate if it hadn't been in a virtual remote kind of context because yeah. I didn't think that I would be able to do it mm. in a world where I was supposed to be physically present 
for the working hours yeah. and that has been the best thing to come out of COVID for me and then we've relocated to the Sunshine Coast to be close to family instead yeah. of being in a, in a metropolitan kind of centre and there's been a lot to like about that but the working parent thing is still a real juggle because the in a in a virtual world almost the the expectation on output has almost seemed to have tripled yeah i reckon uh because we haven't got that confined time yeah. where we're working and it just you can't put a lid on it yeah and those boundaries are kind of blurred the boundaries well. are blurred forced switch off times don't help anyone whose inbox never seems to empty <laughs> and, and all that sort of stuff so i spent a lot of time working at home early in my career yeah. and yeah. actually quite enjoy it but i know yeah. some people that just, they just can't, can't do stand it, it can't, yeah. can't switch off yeah can't sort of some people don't even have the space to do it. Yeah. yeah, that's still a real concern. I'm bad. I just work from wherever I am. Yeah, I was working on my bed for the first couple of months of my new job and it was tough. <laughs> Businesses that are allowing people to, because I agree with you. Like, I think that if, I, if I'm being really honest with myself, the peak value that I bring to my own business each week doesn't amount to a huge amount of time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The value might be significant, yeah. but like time-wise it's... it's yep. and, I, and I feel as if often that I have to be busy to be seen as being productive, yep. right? Yep. But it's bullshit. Yeah, it is. It is. But just also where value isn't being placed on the relational stuff as opposed to the physical output, the tangible outputs, you know, that's... A, again, I think that's a challenge for creatives where the relationship work is so innate and doesn't look hard, but it is so valuable. What do you think's changed coming back from like, you know, 2000 Silicon Valley startup scene and now, and now being in Australia, like is work changing? Do you think like, are we actually seeing real change in sort of the day-to-day -day office life? Do you... Well, yeah, look at last year, pandemic mm. and using the technology that we need to. Simple thing is QR codes. Yeah. You know, QR codes has been out there for a while, <laughs> but now everyone knows how to use them. So yeah. I, it was great because in my presentation yesterday, I had a QR code for people to to use. So that, you know, that's a little bit of mindset shift. I do think I've also seen people working from home and they're getting to know better their family and yeah. understanding what their partner has to go through and what the kids have gone through for better or worse. I think that's also is when people are moving outside of the cities because they know they don't have, they hate to commute. Um, real estate's a whole other conversation, yeah. which I'm not an expert <laughs> in. But I do think that this future, this future of work and the reskilling. So here's the other thing is if we're changing jobs from mining and to more sustainable energy things, yeah, energy yeah. consumption, there needs to be a reskilling. There's another comfort level of these people who are working in mining. How do we reskill them? upskill them around skill them, whatever they need to find the purpose that they have in work yeah. with these other industries that are popping up that we need. So that idea of purpose in, let's say an industry that's been changed via technology, right? And so I spoke to a few people in ag this morning. So agriculture is rapidly being technologized, if that's not a word, right? But it, it, jobs that or labor that no longer exists, yeah. right? Like how do we whose job is it to, to dream up what those next jobs are and what, where the create, you know, creative output can be for these people whose, you know, potential old vision of what they did to earn money is gone. I think who is that? It's people that are, are having the problem. Like they need to solve their own problems and they'll be able to speak about it and, and back themselves in it. They might not have every part of a business that they know how to grow, but they know what the problem is really well. Those are really valuable people. Mm. Here's the problem. Here's how I'm experiencing it. And this is what the end should look like. I need the right people to help me build this. I think a lot of it for me comes down to running my own business. And we were interviewing last week and like people asked, what's the culture like during the interview? And, and Bryony, who was sitting with me, has only been with us six months. Um, I go, I don't want to tell you. And I asked her to, to, to sort of explain back. And it's, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's humbling. It's nice to hear somebody else talk about the business, but it really, I think it stems down from the fact that I started the business. And I didn't want to work for a dickhead boss. And I, I suppose that's trickled down back into our culture, right? From, from that point. But there's a lot of business owners out there that are in business to make money and, and efficiency is, is key. That's what trickles back down to the workforce as opposed to you know, yeah. freedom or curiosity, whatever my personal values are. But it, I do see that starting to change now and that that's probably where we start seeing some bigger cultural shifts as people, COVID, yeah, great, we, people can work from home. But does that mean that bosses or leaders actually want you to spend more time with your family or are open to you, you know, having a side hustle that mm -hmm. make conflict with your business as opposed to just being kind of, oh, well, yes, we've seen that productivity doesn't go down as much as we thought yeah. it would while you're at home. You know what I mean? Like yeah. an actual integration. I think as an employer, employee, you need to check your gut. Is this mm. the right company? Is my Are the leaders, are my colleagues, is the product, are the customers getting what they want? You know, I don't know if people think that far enough. They look at the paycheck, which some people are unhappy even with a really nice paycheck. Yeah, definitely. And also, I love that you asked your, you didn't define your culture, but you had one of the people in there and it sounds like it was a great reflection on you well, to hear someone I, else. I mean, I wouldn't want to do that though. And I, I hate, I, culture is one of those words and things that I think it should be organic to an extent, right? You can, can design culture, but not quickly, right? I think culture is something that happens organically over, over quite a long period yeah. of time. Yeah. And saying, oh, great, here are our corporate values and this is what we're about. Yes, you can set that. And, it, and I suppose the vision needs to be set, yeah. but it needs to actually be um, lived. Well, to talk about culture, I found I helped bring CEO to Australia. Mm. And it's this movement of people and women that are showing up is very different than any other women's network. And I'm trying to figure that out. And I think it comes down to Vicki Saunders, who started the, the concept in, in shifting, creating new systems that it's showing up on your own terms. We're not trying to sell you anything. If it's not right for you, we're not going to mm. try and pull you in. It's on your own time. Show up as you can, following the right energy. And it's been reflected on me as well. And this culture of when people come to the events, they're like, wow, this was awesome. It's not like any other women's event. Because I didn't want to be one part of women's, like, a women-only event sure. network either. So it's very different than that. We can have gatherings and we don't even talk about CEO. And it's just people having the trust, knowing that you can raise your hand and ask for something. Yeah. So that's the other thing is it's, it's hard to ask. Because I've heard so many entrepreneurs in here, especially rural ones or regional, whatever the right term is, regional, sure. the regional ones, like I'm doing it alone. Whereas this community is, we got your back. Dude. You ask and I want to help because people love to give. And if you're not asking, you're depriving them of that joy. So if you reflip, you flip around, like asking, I want to make someone else happy yeah. if I do the ask. This, I mean, especially this little startup or South Start and, and this sort of community three years in sort of seeing this, like it's, it's fantastic to have that kind of strength of community. Yeah. I do worry that outside of these kind of events, it, it's probably harder to reconnect though. But I think that yeah. in whatever industry, job, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be work. Like having a strong community around you is going to make you feel stronger. One of the biggest risks to our society and the way we live and work today and over the next decade is going to be how we use tech. And it's interesting that I think, it could be, you know, this revolution over the last you know, 20, 30 years has happened really sort of underneath our radar. It's, it's been in front of us, but it's also sort of a bit underneath the radar for the everyday person, right? Thinking about data privacy, thinking about the ethics of something like social media, right? Like this wasn't something that 10 years ago we were like, great, this little app is going to be all of a sudden 
a massive impact on our children's lives. It's going to shape the, the future generations. Some people may have had the forethought, but your average punter just ha wasn't thinking about that. I, I think that I agree with you. It's something that, especially our own data and how we interact with the digital world is going to be something that we need to really start thinking about quickly. I talk about the type of careers that are going to emerge over the next decade, because I think that 85% of the jobs that will exist in 2030, so there's like, going to be a big transition. Yeah. Things like comms people will be replaced by AI, sure. like copy AI. Yep. However, the human artist that is really great with words will most likely be writing personas sure, for the for the AI, yep. right? So we're still going to have enough roles and jobs for everyone to leverage everyone's skills and capability. It's how we use it and integrate it differently. What is interesting about the shift in the mix in the types of jobs is that you and I will most likely have virtual assistants that will manage our data. We will pay and probably to begin with hire someone or an agency mm. to manage our digital footprint. And yep. where we're leaving data, put a layer or a boundary around who knows what about us. COVID hit and it helped us make the jump to natively virtual, which we were toying with anyways and all kind of wanted to be virtual, but actually made that jump. And so that's been really exciting to build the culture and systems where it's okay to be offline in whatever, like during the middle of the day to take advantage of living on the beach or going for a hike or something, but get the work done when you need to because there is no nine to five and where you don't need to be in the office together. So I think we'll see more and more of that flexibility. Totally on the other end of the spectrum, we've got things like robotics and automation and all that entering the industry, which will change the quality of jobs. So whether for a tech company, you're seeing that with the tools and systems you use for productivity and remote communication on a farm, you might be seeing that in terms of labor that you currently don't have access to. And so you need equipment and machines and robots to fill those gaps. Depending on where you sit in agriculture, a lot of things are changing and all underpinned by that kind of new perspectives, because what it will mean to farm in the future, I think will look really different than what it's meant in the past. I think a lot of the conversation historically has been around you know, the, the fear of that, right? The fear of robotics, the fear of AI. But like, I would imagine that a lot of people are looking forward to it and excited about what, what that means for them and their own livelihoods, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, the conversation around labor is so frustrating because it's like, don't let robots take jobs. And it's like, no one wants to do those jobs. There are no humans putting their hand up anywhere to do those jobs in Australia, overseas, anywhere. And so there are crops that will just get harvested and sit there and rot because no one was there to pick them. And so we absolutely need automation. And also those jobs are really shitty <laughs> when you talk, especially about the developing world. We're mostly talking about Australia, but some of that spraying is, you know, done by humans very manually, huge exposure to chemicals. And if you're one of those people and could otherwise get a job in a factory, you're going to take that every day of the week. What does the future of work look like for you? COVID's done a lot transforming. I think work far more rapidly than we would have seen before the pandemic. We're talking about large global organizations that are making it possible for their staff to work entirely from home. 15 months ago, or 18 months ago, if you'd asked your boss if you could work at home a couple of days a week, most people would have been told no, quite yeah. clearly. Absolutely not. You won't be productive. This is not an option. I do think that that transformation around what work looks like has been accelerated from COVID. And so I'm not sure that our young people are necessarily going to walk, walk into corporate organizations that are perhaps as beige as maybe they have been in the past. But I do think that where we need to be placing some emphasis is around the adaptability of skills. And I think also looking at that entrepreneurship, right? At the end of the day, the young people that move through our program we do get some great enterprises out of the end of it. But at the end of the day, if we've got a generation of young people that can identify problems and do something about them in collaborative ways, then that's what you're going to do in any job that you have.
I think it's about that skill building around problem solving and critical thinking and collaboration and project management. Like how do you take a task, break it down into pieces and actually deliver it within the time that you've got allocated, <laughs> which to be honest, as a chronic procrastinator is still something that I'm trying to work through. Me too. Hi, Sam here again. Thank you so much to all of my guests. Uh, some incredible people doing really incredible things in, in all of their own rights. And uh, you can find out more about them in our show notes below. Like I said, up, up front, it's a couple of weeks out from South Start 2022, and we'll be along there for the journey. I really want to continue some of these conversations and we'll be uh, chatting with a, a few of the women that I spoke to today again. Um, this, this whole topic of the future of work, I think it's going to bleed itself into the future of, of what we're doing here. If there's anything that we touched on today that you would love to find out more about or even just have a conversation, please hit us up in the comments or jump on our Instagram page at, at Digital Noir uh, or, or hit me up directly. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to continue some conversations with some of the listeners out there. Till next time, stay human and uh, yeah, enjoy it.